and you will seek me, and you, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, that, that, and that I, do not, that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Audrey, so much. Well, good morning. Um, for the first time in 13 weeks, we're, we actually turned our live stream back on to. So just so you, you know it's available, you can text friends or whatever if you know that, uh, that they would really be blessed by that. It's, just, it's on our Facebook page uh, on the live stream there. And we decided to fire that back up mainly because uh, it's still cold and flu season um, in the fall. And, um, and with the idea of, of all of us just being sensitive to that and recognizing that if you are home or you, you have a, a child that's homesick or whatever, just giving the opportunity, um, or if you like had a baby last night, <laughs> that uh, uh, Jessica Freeman, they had a baby last night. So Ian and Jessica, yeah. That, so, uh, so if you all are, congratulations, baby girl. Uh, and so, so good opportunity for that. And my encouragement to all of us is to have the live stream exist in that realm uh, I know it can be easy to be like, well, you know, I was wanting to go to Costco and and I could kind of have church going on in my phone while I'm at Costco or something that I think there's a, uh, that's a blessing to have that technology available, but also there's there's a huge value in us actually gathering in person. And we know that through uh, through the way our school system has really been fighting for that. And I feel like Chad's done such a good job in, in having in-person gathering be such an important part of our school district. And, and as it relates to church too, like Jesus could have just sent us a memo from heaven, but he actually came in person and dwelt among us and uh, eyeball to eyeball. And so, uh, so I'm glad to have the live stream. Our plan is to have it through at least uh, through kind of Christmas time, and then we'll kind of reevaluate uh, heading into the second half of the school year if, if we should keep it going or not. But, but just an FYI there. So, so a sentence that I heard in the summer of 2019, and I heard the sentence several times kind of in close proximity. Two sentences. You're not doing it right. Here, let me show you. You're not doing it right. Here, let me show you. And uh, I just, we, Patty and I, we had just purchased the house I grew up in. My dad, very lovingly, was uh, wanting me to properly use the chainsaw. Okay? I, I had used a chainsaw a bunch growing up. 
but I was rusty. I was truly rusty. Couldn't remember the fine-tuned skills of proper chainsaw usage. So, uh, so you know, he followed by saying, hey, you got to let the chainsaw do all the work. Um, let me show you again. You know, make, make sure whatever you do, don't let the chain hit any uh, dirt. Uh, it will get dull immediately. Uh, don't push it. Don't pull it. Let it do all the work. He showed me and I tried to watch very precisely. And then I got it in my hands again. I was like, wow, there's a lot to think about here <laughs> as it relates to, to a chainsaw. And uh, he went on, did what he was doing, and then came back a few minutes later and was like, and he said, I can tell by the sound of the chainsaw you're not doing it right. <laughs> I, I can tell you're fighting it. I can tell you're not doing it right. It should sound smooth. Um, so I kind of kept riding on the struggle bus, um, kept being like, okay, I know I can figure this out. Like, I know I can properly cut through this, this tree. And he came back a third time telling me I wasn't doing it right. I wasn't getting it right. And then I remember dad saying like, I want you to get this right because I know you're going to be doing a lot of it and I know you'll enjoy it. I know that you'll enjoy it if you're properly using a chainsaw. And, uh, and man, like I could tell that he wasn't just like for the sake of you have to do this right, but I felt like he was like passing on to me like a lifetime of experience, a lifetime of knowledge. And if I didn't get it, all of his wisdom and experience would just not benefit me, right, at all. And I know that he wanted me to enjoy it as much as he had enjoyed it. And I knew that buying that house, this was going to be, like, this was, like, I love the house I grew up in. And one of the things I loved about it is we heat the house with a wood-burning stove. And it takes about five cord of wood to do that, which means that there should always be 10 cord of wood, you know, like five getting ready to burn, and then getting five ready to spend the whole year um, getting dry and, and all that stuff so that it's cured right to burn well. So, so I knew that I'd be spending dozens of hours using a chainsaw, using a wood splitter, splitting it right, stacking it right, and I, I wanted to get it right. And so about a year later, um, I, I was running the chainsaw on a, a birch tree that had come down and, uh, and I remember dad coming over and being like, yeah, like, I could tell he was coming over to like inspect, you know, and, uh, and came over and was like, yep, you've got it. You're good to go. And by then I'd come to really enjoy it and really enjoyed the fine tuned nature of it. So um, today Jesus is not talking about a chainsaw, just to let you know, in John chapter 8. And, um, and by the way, I've kind of become passionate about chainsaw usage. So if you'd like to hang out and we can talk chainsaw, I'm available. Make myself available. Not saying I'm an expert, but I'm a fellow learner and enjoying the art of proper chainsawing, stacking, splitting, all that stuff. So Jesus is not talking about chainsaws in John chapter 8. He's not talking about splitting wood. He's not talking about wood stacking. What Jesus is talking about is getting it right. 
That's what Jesus is talking about in John 8. He's talking about getting it right. My dad started getting a little passionate <laughs> because he was really wanting me to get it right. Jesus in this passage, what we're going to see is it's not just about what is important to get right, which leads Jesus to get really passionate, is to get life right. He desperately wants us for our enjoyment, for our good. He desperately wants us to get life right. He's more intense than we've seen him. Uh, he is more focused. He's speaking more clearly than we've seen him up to this point. And if you, if you have your Bible, if you turn to John chapter 8, you can go on your phone. We will have the passage on the screen too. Um, I, I like having a physical copy because I like to underline things. I like to date th things. I like to ask questions in the margin that then when I'm back in that section of Scripture, it can kind of be a guide towards me. If you don't have your own Bible, we have a bunch of blue ones over here that love just for you to take. It's yours. Also, on the table as you're just coming in, we have what are called Scripture journals, which is just the book of John where every other page is blank for you to take notes and everything. And so we passed out a bunch of those. We just got 50 more copies of those. They're free. So please, please take one of those too if it would be a blessing to you. So John 8, starting in verse 21, Jesus says this. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, verse 22, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Okay, let's remember where, what's happening in John 8. Let's remember where Jesus is in this moment. Jesus has been at the Feast of Tabernacles. It is a feast designed to celebrate how for hundreds of years, the, the Jewish people, God's people, were slaves in Egypt. Archaeologists have been able to time and line everything up that they were slaves in the building of the pyramids. So they were the manual labor in some of the biggest construction projects in world history. And for hundreds of years, they had even uh, gotten to the point where it was like, man, all these promises of God, I don't know. They seem gone. And then God miraculously raised up Moses, did many incredible things to lead them out of slavery and lead them to the promised land. And man, it's, our life goes fast. You know, a lot of times we don't have time for, for contemplation for reflection, things like that. And what was gotten pretty quickly, but what is taught to us as well, that everything that happened with the Exodus was just a picture, just a preview of the deeper, wider, more significant Exodus that God would do for the entire world in leading people out of slavery and to the promised land, not with Moses at the lead. The book of Hebrews, the whole point of the book, book of Hebrews is Jesus is a better Moses. And not like it's a competition, but that Moses was just a preview of what would be ultimately fulfilled 
in Jesus. And so Jesus stood up at the Feast of Tabernacles designed to focus an entire people on that event. And he says, um, I am living water. So miraculously, God had provided in a desert for a couple million people a stream of water to come to nourish them. And Jesus says, I am living water. I am that water to another level. And then last week we saw that uh, there was a pillar of fire that was needed to guide and warm the people. There was a, a cloud. The pillar became a cloud during the day to provide shade because there were no trees in the middle of the desert. And Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. The pillar of fire during the exodus that gives warmth during all this in the cold of the night. And here's what happened. As Jesus is so clear, so crystal clear, he, God does not hide in the dark and been like, hey, hide and go seek, see if you can find me. He, he's more like a runway, a, a well-lit path showing us like, here, this is me. And after even the clarity of him saying that he is the light of the world and whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, that many of the religious people, after hearing Jesus, start arguing with him. Instead of believing in him, they give him the stiff arm. And Jesus knows what they need. They need him. He knows what they need to hear. They need to hear him, to truly hear him. Their opposition to him could have easily and justly given him permission to just walk away. And I experienced in this in my own life, and I mean even more recently too, but uh, when I was in high school, freshman in college at UNI, I was trying to get Jesus to stop pursuing me. I was like, hey, I, would you just, just leave me and let me be at peace with my sin? I, I like the stuff I'm doing was the way that I was presenting it to him. Like, if you could just, like, what is making this not feel good and not seem good is you. If you could just go that way and I go that way, let me be at peace with my sin and we'll be good. And the reality was I was kidding myself too because I wasn't finding peace in those things. They were actually um, not fulfilling me. I felt like I was a hamster in a wheel trying to find delight and things like that and was realizing like, man, this is not fulfilling. And he kept pursuing me. It's like, what type of a person is that? Like, what type of a, of a person when you say, no, thank you, please leave me alone, just let me be the way I want to be. And he could have been like, okay. And for the people in Jerusalem that he knows are even going to plot to kill him, for him to continue pursuing them in Jerusalem and what he tells them, what he tells those people that are pushing him away with utmost honesty, he says this, I am going away. And you're going to seek me, and you will die in your sin. Jesus is speaking so plainly here to people who are trying to get him to leave, him, leave them alone. He says, 
I am leaving here and you will die in your sin and where I am going, you cannot come. And man, a point not to miss in what Jesus is saying here is apart from Jesus, we die in our sins. You might be like, man, this, is, this feels really simple and clear. It's simple, it's clear, and it is massively important. And this is what Jesus, when they're pushing back against him, and they're arguing against him, and we see many verses before this where they're arguing against Jesus, and he says, guys, you are going to die in your sins, and you can't follow me where I'm going. He alone is walking down a road to Calvary where he is going to pay for the sins of the world, and he is the only one who has ever, will ever walk down that road. And he says, where I'm going, you will not be able to follow me any longer. This is a road that I'm walking down that, is, that I alone walk down this road. Those seeking to kill Jesus can't follow him, and what he is letting them know is the worst that will happen to those who reject Jesus' offer, the worst thing that will happen will not just be like, man, we got in this big fight, we got in this big argument, they're not listening to Jesus, they're not listening to me, they're kind of just going to go off on their own and have their own ideology or something. He's like, no, you are going to die in your sins. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to die in your sin? It means that nothing that they could do during their lifetime will cover their sins, will take care of their sins. And a sin is just a, a verb. It's an action against God. If sin was a thing, we would try and corral it and get rid of it. Sin are actions. And as humans, we have, we have the blood of Adam and Eve running through our veins that you don't have to teach, um, like I think Jace Ball, he's been in our house a couple times. I think he's like one of the most amazing little kids. I mean, he is just like, he's just incredible. He's really interesting. He's, he's, he's like, he's just, for, for being this little guy, I mean, it's like when he's over, it's like, oh, Jace is coming over? Yes, like this is gonna be incredible. And uh, there were also times yesterday where, where Patty went this way and I saw him going that way. And I was like, no, Jace, go over there. And he's, he stopped. And I could tell he looked at me, and like, obedience was that way, and he was like. <laughs> and I was like, if Chase Ball can sin, anyone can sin, right? Like, if that's inside of all of it, you don't have to teach. Like, it's not like Tanner and Kim are like teaching him to disobey. It's like, man, you just see this is part of the human condition. And when you stack a lifetime of the human condition of sin, of actions that were against God. Like, you can't live a good enough life. You can't be a good enough person. You can't just buy Girl Scout cookies and know it's going to a good cause and think that somehow the balances of good and sin get to where, like, you just get just enough good in this life. If, you, if we look to anything to balance that, we die in our sins like in that hospital room or whatever it is, like all of your sins and you're like, okay, somehow when I'm before, the, before God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of start wheeling and dealing or something and start talking. And Jesus is like, 
Let me be clear to you in this argument that we're having right now. If you resist me, you die in your sins. And Jesus, as clear as he can be to people who for two chapters now have heard Jesus share all this stuff and are like resisting him. And that's why Jesus has increased his passion. He's increased his plain speaking. He even lets them know that they should listen. Look at verse 23. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. And Jesus doesn't do this very often. He doesn't show us like his uh, resume. He doesn't very often kind of flex and say, you need to listen to me. Let me share with you who I am, and let me share with you who you are. You're someone who didn't even know how to eat until years ago. You're someone who didn't know how to even go to the bathroom until X amount of years ago. You're someone who didn't know how to tie your shoes until X amount of years ago. And are you an authority on eternal things? He's like, you are from this place. I'm not. I'm not from this place. I made this place. This is your home. This is not my home. You are from below. I'm from above. And he's letting us know, like, I'm, I'm not of this world. You are of this world. That's why I'm here, to take you, to redeem you, to rescue you. And then he takes a step closer. Look at verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. And what, this is like sermon 25 or something from the book of John. So he has been telling them a lot from the beginning. And remember, they're on the ground. They're hearing all of it um, face to face. Verse 26, I have much to say to you about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And the Son of Man uh, points back to the book of Ezekiel, points back to the book of Daniel. If you remember when we preached the book of Daniel, all these incredible prophecies that were given that one like the Son of Man will come, who will be king of the world, whose kingdom will never end. And he is saying, when you lift me up on the cross, you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Verse 29, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So a point not to miss from this passage is the I am invites your belief. The I am invites your belief. Verse 24, if you look, it says, you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. The he has been added by English translators to make it a, a more flowing English sentence. But 
what Jesus originally said and what was originally recorded in Greek that all translators use to translate into English, it's not he. Jesus originally just said that I am. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. You know, if I went up to BJ and I'm like, hi, I am Tim. And you're like, I am BJ. I am Lynn. And then Jesus is like, I am. And he's not trying to be cutesy, but what he is saying is, he is the one. He is the one that has always been. He is. So like, hey, BJ, what's your birthday? Tim, what's your birthday? Jesus, I, I have always been. I am. And this is not like a new thing. What Jesus is actually making very clear is when he says, ego, I, me. Those are the two words, I am. Ego, I, me. What he is, is that is how God first was introducing himself in the Old Testament. Was, uh, he would just say, I am. And it was making very clear that I'm the one that's always been. I am the one that has always existed. I am the center of history. And the one who is the center of history invites your belief. He does not hide even from those who are giving him the stiff arm. He invites them and reveals to them how not to die in their sins. If you believe Jesus is who he says he is, if you believe him, you do not die in your sins. I mean, that is amazing. That is worth, I, I mean, there's a lot of things that we could say about Jesus. There's a lot in the New Testament that we could say. On this day, what Jesus is saying to people who have been resisting him is, you will die in your sins. I do not want you to die in your sins. If you believe I am he, you will not die in your sins. Jesus always does the things, he says, that are pleasing to the Father. So I love in this passage, he's saying, I always do what pleases the Father. So his invitation to you, his invitation to me of salvation is pleasing to the Father. It, it pleases him. You know, it's not like, hey, how did he get in here? It's like, no, like it's pleasing to the Father, his invitation to us of salvation, his invitation to each of us to believe in Jesus to no longer die in our sins. This is pleasing to the Father. It is good. And what, what I love about how this passage ends is verse 30. People who had been unmoved by Jesus, saying that he's the living water. Maybe they were feeling thirsty. Maybe their souls felt thirsty. And they had been unmoved at his invitation then people who maybe feel the darkness around them, feel the darkness in them, when Jesus said he's the light of the world, were unmoved. And what I love is some are no longer unmoved. I love verse 30. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Many believed he, he is. He is who he says he is. Believe that I am He. And man, my, uh, my hope, I think my, 
our, our prayers this morning is that if you walked in and you said, you know what, I walked in and I, I wasn't really sure that Jesus was real. I wasn't really sure that I believed in him, that I believe that he's the one, that I believe the things about him that he says to me, to, to yes, us, but he says it to me. And man, I just, my prayer has been like, today would be a verse 30 day for somebody in our community, that, that today would be a verse 30 day. Have you been hearing this? Have you been feeling distinctly that you don't want to die in your sins? And this isn't a fair fear attack. Like Jesus isn't saying this to try and put some fear in them so that he can win. He's saying this because he loves us. He loves each of us and he is doing these things so that we would have life and life to the fullest, that, that we would be free and that we'd actually have the joy of being like, oh my gosh, I am, I'm not going to die in my sins in that hospital bed or wherever it may be, that when I'm laying there, the only thing filling that room is the righteousness of Jesus. And my sin is so far away that Scripture says it's like as far as the east is from the west. So like if you're in a hospital bed in Des Moines, your sin's like in China. You know, it's like far away because Jesus has removed that. He's taken that away and and the, the flip side of not dying in your sins is, is it, believing in Jesus. Your sins are gone. He has paid for them all. You will not die in your sins. And man, I would just, I love that as he was saying these very words, he didn't break into some secondary philosophical long conversation. As he was saying these words, Many believed in him. Would you believe in him today? Would you believe in him today? If, if, if you are today, if you, if you are believing in him for the first time, if you're putting the, your life in his hands, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to walk the aisle, you don't have to do anything other than give your life to him and say, I, I believe you, thank you, as Jesus was saying these things, many believed in him. And if you're in this room and you do believe Jesus today, you're no longer in your sins. You will not die in your sins. Jesus passionately didn't want any of even his enemies to die in their sins. He knows the punishment and he offers life. And if you're in this room and you believe Jesus, the thing that we have in common is not rural Iowa as much as the thing that we don't have in common is, is that, you know, a, a certain place or background or anything, what we have in common is we are a people who will not die in our sins. You have his life. And man, I just want to encourage us to sit in that. I mean, like there've been times that I was at a football game, uh, I was driving kids around and stuff. And at times this week, I'd just be like, I'm not going to die in my sins. Wow. And it's not because it's like, I am awesome. That's why I really chose the right path. It's none of that. It's, I'm not going to die in my sins. Jesus, wow, thank you. Don't deserve any of that. 
I receive it. Building my life on that. Building the life of my family on the freedom of that. And rejoice in that this morning. Rejoice. Be thankful. Let that fill you with joy, no matter where you're at, whatever we're going through, that the way that Jesus sees it, this is, I mean, there's a lot of paths he could have gone down in his argument with the people who were resisting him. And what he brought up was dying in your sins. To just be the like, hey, let's get to the heart of the issue here. Let's get to what's going to separate us. And I'm not here to separate us. I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. I'm here for you. Would you believe me that I am? And man, let's be thankful, full of joy as we come to the communion table this morning. I mean, this is us communing with him as free people. And if you're feeling that draw to come to Jesus, there's almost a danger coming to communion because you might think like, well, I came to communion. No, come to Jesus. Communion is not going to save you. Jesus is going to save you. Believe in him. And as people who are putting our trust in Jesus, believing in him, coming to the table of communion is us communing with him. He designed this for us. He invented this. And he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. What I've done for you, what I'm doing for you, what I will do for you, I will enjoy this with you one day in person. But until that day, let's have this day. And so TJ and Kaylin are going to serve us the elements. And the way that they'll do this is if you just walk up with your hands out like this, uh, they'll tear off a piece of bread, put it in your hands and say, this is the body of Jesus given for you. Uh, Then we have wine or juice, obey your conscience there. Uh, This is representing the blood of Jesus that uh, buys us life. And so uh, what I would encourage you to do is spend some time with Jesus, spend some time letting him search you, transform you, disciple you, grow you. Uh, then what we'll do is we'll, we'll come together, and if you want to come down the aisle, we can cu- go this way for, for traffic flow. Uh, then what we'll do is just take the elements and stay standing, and we'll take it together as family. And what I would encourage you to do is if you don't know where you're at with Jesus or you know that you're, you haven't gone there yet with him, don't come to the table. I would love to pray with you, or maybe it's just a great time for you to ask him to reveal himself to you. So let's spend some time with him, and then let's come.